All right, music fans, who's ready for some chicken noodle soup from J-Hope and Becky G? You are getting me hungry. Plus, baby's new album is here with plenty of superstar guests. And breaking news, Nicki Minaj came out of retirement. Shocker. <laughs> I know. Plus, we've got interviews with BTS, Tegan and Sarah, Adam Lambert, John Party, and so much more. So we'd better get started. All that and more is coming your way right now because today is New Music Friday and Billboard is here to break down the week's biggest releases. Yes, we are. See, we wouldn't let you down. Mm -mm. I'm Chelsea Briggs. And I'm Fernando Ventura. Welcome to Billboard's first stream live. Today we are kicking off this week's episode with K-pop meets Latin pop as J-Hope of BTS and Becky G join forces. Now, earlier this month, Becky G tweeted about a secret before dropping her song, Secrets. I can tell you keep it secret from me. And on Wednesday this week, she posted hashtag Becky has another secret and the BTS account responded, I have a secret too. There's so many secrets going on. I know, I want to know these secrets. Bring them on already. Well, we're about, I'm about to tell you, okay? Uh, it also included a hashtag CNS. As some fans decoded, CNS turns out to be chicken noodle soup. Summer colds are the worst, by the way. It's actually inspired by Webster and Young B's chicken noodle soup featuring AG, aka the voice of Harlem from 2006, which is actually a big inspiration for both stars when they were young. Uh, let's play the song right now just so you guys can hear it. So that's the inspiration, and now the new version with J-Hope and Becky G features Korean and Spanish lyrics, and it dropped Friday. Are you ready, Fernando? I am ready. Let's take a listen. Chicken noodle soup, salt on the side. Chicken noodle soup, chicken noodle soup, chicken noodle soup, with salt on the side. Chicken noodle all right, that sounds really good, Chelsea. You're right. Now, Becky G first met J-Hope and the BTS guys in May at the 2019 Billboard Music Awards. Yes, Were you there, they did. Chelsea? I was there, and I actually saw it all go down. I knew it. I figured you orchestrated I, this whole I thing. I also followed and, uh, BTS around a little bit. Shh, don't tell. So you know that this is uh, pretty much where this collaboration began. Becky tweeted a photo out meeting them for the first time and she said in her caption it was super cute she goes oh my gosh i almost cried when someone came and got me and told me that bts wanted to meet me so this is a big moment for her she was a fan <laughs> and this is where they first met and now here we are today talking about this collaboration so uh lesson learned anything can happen at the billboard music awards <laughs> yes they can and our own keith caulfield caught up with the top duo group winner bts backstage to talk about other artists that they were hoping to meet and collaborate with take a listen to bts Mariah, Madonna. Just met Drake. Drake. Yeah, Finally took a picture. We just made it. And J-Ho was in, in my feelings, like yeah. music video for the challenge. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so we're... Do you love me? Yeah, we're all hey. fans of Drake. And of course, Madonna and Mariah, they're Tari the legends. Tari Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, met Tari. And of course, our friend Kali. So you think there might be a Drake-BTS collaboration here I mean, at some honestly, point? never say never. Keith also talked to the group about their album Map of the Soul Persona, which debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. That makes their third number one in less That's than insane. a year. This is the reason like, why crazy. everybody yeah. wants to collab with them. Now, the last group to do that was just, you know, the freaking Beatles. And, oh, no big deal. And BTS talked about being in that rare company. Beatles is Beatles forever, right? Yeah. yeah the name is the biggest and the hugest. So, you know, it's like, this is an honor. It's like, we just hear like the same words when we go to the Britain. It's like, we're like, no, like we're like humble. We're just BTS and we respect the Beatles and we're all fans of Beatles. Do you have like a favorite Beatles song? Let it be. Let it be. 
<laughs> and, and it's not the Beatles song, but John Lennon is Imagine. Yeah, imagine. That's imagine. the classic. I'm trying to send somebody with somebody. Let me know what's happening. I let them K R K Kirk. You know how I rock behind my dad. That was intro, the appropriately titled lead track from DaBaby's second studio album, Kirk, which dropped this week, packed with superstar special guests from the world of hip hop. I don't even know where there's room for DaBaby. There's just so many people on this album. <laughs> you are not wrong at all. Now, the crazy thing is that he's had a big year, and he kind of called it back in February, Fernando, when he told us that his goal is to have so much success in the charts that people would start calling him Bill. Billboard Baby. Well, I could start right now. Here's Billboard Baby. Let's hear what he had to say. <laughs> Billboard. I'm trying to. I'm trying to have to change my name to Billboard Baby. <laughs> I'm changing my name to Billboard Baby by the end of uh, 2019. Yeah, definitely bring something different to the table, man. You know, definitely bring something different to the table. I'm more than excited, you know, about you know, what's to come. All right, the time has come. Let's bring in Billboard's Carl Lamar now to talk all things the baby. This is an artist who's had an historic Rookie of the Year campaign in 2019 leading up to this release. Carl, tell us about baby's big year. Like you said, his uh, Rookie of the Year campaign, it's, it's hard to root against him. I mean, sure, top 10 record on the Hot 100. Play if you want, let's do it. I'm a young CEO, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? He's been a go-to as far as the features. He was just featured on Panini, the remix for Lil Nas X. He was also featured on Post Malone's new album for Enemies, which is actually one of my favorite songs on the album. He teamed up with Megan The Stallion for Cash Shit. So anything the baby has kind of been touching or leaving his handprints on, it's been, you know, turning into gold. He kind of has the Midas touch right now, so I don't think anybody can stop him. Yeah, and he seems to be like so versatile and basically can work with so many others. I mean, we just talked about Post Malone, but now on the album, you've got so many guests, Migos, Nicki Minaj, Gucci Mane, Chance the Rapper, and on. I mean, the list is, is long. Yeah. Anything there that stands out to you, like, you know, maybe a couple of collaborations that are your favorite? I love the Chance, Gucci, and YK Osiris record. Um, I think the chemistry between Chance and Gucci and, and the baby, uh, they all meshed and gelled so well. And I think it's going to be a potential single. It has that big day kind of feel. You would have thought it was a Chance record from the production. No, ho, it's a no go. I don't want And everybody wondering why he come round and don't say nothing. I also love the Kevin Gates pop star. They meshed well. Two guys from the trenches that really bounced off each other well with their street talk. Um, those are the two highlights for me. Boom, it's their bass making gray sounds. Got a graveyard up under my belt, more murders than no missing cold. Third around extension, mini glizzing, and I'm certain kind of looking at hip-hop overall, I mean, is this going to be one of the biggest releases of the year in the hip-hop universe? I saw the baby did an interview with Nick Cannon this week, and he said that he feels this project is probably the most anticipated album since Lil Wayne's The Carter Three. So if you guys remember Lil wow. Wayne, he, he went a milli first week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think the baby's going to be able to do that per se, but I think he's going to be able to make a huge, huge splash and impact. I think it's going to be his full circle moment. He already came strong and has one of the better releases this year with his Baby on Baby project, which came in the first quarter. So I think it has the potential to be very, very strong and certainly top five on the 200, I think, um, it's opening week. That was I'll Be Back Someday, which means our next artists are back in a big way. Multi-talented artists, authors, time travelers, sisters Tegan and Sarah. 
They just released their memoir titled High School and followed that up with their ninth album, Hey, I'm Just Like You. The two projects are tied very closely together, but at first, the album wasn't going to happen at all. In fact, the sisters visited Billboard recently, and Sarah was very candid with us, explaining how she was not feeling too excited about making new music. And she talked about how that changed when she and Tegan were researching the memoir and found songs that they had written back in high school. Here's Sarah. This is controversial, but I'm not that passionate about music these days. I think this means outside of music, meaning like our own music, our career, that thing we do. Even our own music hasn't really been thrilling me and exciting me. Jesus. Like I'm very interested in our new album, but before we made our new album, I was just sort of feeling a bit not totally creatively stimulated, intellectually stimulated, and it was part of what motivated me to pursue writing our memoir. Can I sort of achieve that satisfying feeling that I used to get when I made music? Can I do that with something else artistic? And so the memoir actually was really successful in achieving that. And then through writing the memoir, discovered this kind of like newfound joy again about music, specifically music that we wrote when we were in high school. And now let's bring in Billboard's Gab Ginsburg to dig into all of this and more. This is such an unusual story for an album. And you just talked to them. So how did they go about resurrecting their high school music and then translating it into who they are as artists today? Yeah, so basically they discovered these demos from high school that they'd written grades 10 and 11. And um, Tegan says she estimates the number at about 40 demos. So they ended up transforming those demos into 12 songs and you know entirely re-recorded and the result is hey I'm just like you and nothing that was written in high school has a right to sound this good <laughs> really yeah you don't listen to this album and say wow these sound like demos from the 90s that have been re-recorded the sophistication of the melodies their strong lyrical sensibilities they were incredible songwriters at 15 and now all of the skill sets that they have now today as producers, you know, songwriters, they've done some rearranging, but the core melodies and the lyrics are pretty much note for note to the pieces of the old demos. So when you listen to these songs, they sound so contemporary, but it's just that really raw emotion and vulnerability that a teenager would have. It's more of a rock album than Heartthrob and Love You to Death, their last two albums, but there's definitely some synths on there. You'll hear some pop production that will be very familiar from their more recent eras. We Don't Have Fun When We're Together Anymore has an incredibly catchy chorus, so that one definitely stands out to me as a major bop. We don't have fun when we're together anymore all we get when we're together all we get when we're together and can you talk about the fact that an all-female team was behind this album they wanted an all-female team and their producer alex hope and their record label sire records uh the president rainy hancock who also a and r the record they sort of led the charge on that so you know they weren't recruiting an all-female team just to make a point it was that once they decided yeah. we should fill all these roles with women they were just able to do that really easily as alex said but it was the first time they've done it and they were psyched that that worked out all right, next up, it's been four years since Adam Lambert released a studio album, and earlier this year he delivered two new singles, New Eyes and Coming In Hot. Coming in hot, coming in hot, and, and in August, he got his hype for an upcoming two-part project. This week, lucky for us, we got Velvet Side A. The second part comes out next year. While New Eyes and Coming In Hot don't show up on Velvet Side A, it does kick off with Superpower, which Adam dropped a few weeks ago. 
All right, now we're going to bring in Billboard's Taylor Weatherby to talk about the EP. But first, let's listen to Adam telling Taylor about the sound he was aiming for. The intention was that it would kind of feel more timeless, like it was something that wouldn't sound out of date in three years. We're referencing like 70s piano singer-songwriter pop. We're referencing funk and soul music, Motown. I'm referencing a lot of different things that people still love. And I think for me, that's timelessness. You know, that's classic. It doesn't ever go out of style. I thought to myself, okay, how do I create something super authentic? And then I realized, well, the thing that's going to be most authentic is sort of like what's in my body. And I grew up in a house where my parents played a lot of vinyl, and that was the time period that was played. It was the 70s and the early 80s. And those styles of music are inherent to my experience. It didn't feel like it was something that I was trying to step into. It was more like I'm coming back to something that I already knew. And now let's bring in Taylor to tell us more about the album and its unconventional rollout. So let's get into right away. Why did Adam feel like he needed to split this album up into two releases? What's behind that decision? So when I talked to him, it sounded like he had kind of gotten some advice from various people in the industry. And he said that everybody agrees that it's kind of too fast to do the traditional single, maybe a second single, and then the album, because people kind of just forget about it once you drop the album. So mm. he wanted to split it into two parts. He used this fun analogy, he said, it's like when you go into a restaurant, they don't just put one plate in front of you with everything on it. They serve different courses. I love that because it just totally made me envision how he's planning on dishing all of this out, <laughs> no pun intended, but <laughs> he actually even called the songs New Eyes, Feel Something, and Coming in Hot that he released earlier this year, appetizers, because they're not on this side A and they, I guess, won't be on side B. But he actually explained to me that side A is coming now, side B is coming in early 2020, and then he'll be releasing a full album that has all the songs from Side A, all the songs from Side B, as well as New Eyes, Feel Something, and Coming In Hot, all in one package. He didn't say when next year, but it's apparently coming next year. So we will get the full meal at some point. All right, because we are hungry for Adam Lambert. <laughs> we um, are. <laughs> hey, so what's your pick for the standout track on Side A, the one that really jumps out at you? I love Loverboy. It is such a fun song. This project, when you listen to it, you can really hear the kind of 70s and 80s influences. But at the same time, there's very like Tame Paula type bass lines. So it feels very current, but also taps into the sounds of the 70s and 80s. And that's really felt in Loverboy. I think it's also really felt in Superpower. And then there's another song called Stranger You Are that has that same kind of vibe. They're all very fun, um, but I think Loverboy was the one that really struck me. We're talking a lot about albums with interesting origin stories and presentations this week. Yes, and we are. outlaw country singer Sturgill Simpson definitely continuing that trend. He's following up his Grammy-winning set, A Sailor's Guide to Earth, with Sound and Fury. It is the soundtrack to an anime film that he made with the same name. Here's a little bit of the gritty guitar-heavy lead single, Sing Along, which really sets the stage with quite a different sound. Made out of 
Now, the album dropped on Friday, the same day the film became available on Netflix. I think I might have to go and check this out. Yeah, for sure. Let's bring in Billboard's Annie Reuter to break the album down for us. Uh, first of all, so we have to talk about Sturgill's move to release an anime film soundtrack. How big of a surprise was this, and how well do you think the album stands on its own, separate from the film? It was definitely a shock. I mean, I can't remember any other Grammy winner um, taking a step back and releasing an anime film soundtrack. Me either. I do think it was a bold move just to release Sound and Fury, because, I mean, Sturgill really launched into the public eye after winning a Grammy for A Sailor's Guide to Earth. And from what I understand, he just realized shortly after that life wasn't really for him and instead of embracing country superstardom he just really wanted time to be with his family and and record whatever he wanted to record and not what people expected as far as the album goes how do you think it stands on its own separate from the film i definitely do think it stands well on its own i I think it's his most ambitious album to date and i feel like you have to go in realizing it's not a country record and almost kind of wipe that slate clean um but the storytelling remains intact like he sings about the disenchantment he's had with the music industry on songs like mercury and retrograde a lot of more synth-heavy songs like Make Art Not Friends, which kind of is summed up in the title. One of my other favorite songs on there was um, All Said and Done, and in it, he admits he spent the last year going out of his mind. If you kind of strip down the music to it, it's still that classic country songwriting, in my opinion. All right, Annie, thanks so much for all your knowledge on Sturgill. Now, will you hang around? Because we're actually going to talk about John Party coming up here next. Of course, I'd love to. All right, Chelsea, that is the title track from John Party's third studio album, Heartache Medication. Now, John said that he picked that title to reflect the album's sad topics, but he says it makes you feel good at the same time. He says it's ultimately about moving on, and there's plenty of fun to be had, as you can hear on the infectious Me and Jack. Lots of fun to be had, for sure. I actually got a chance to catch up with John to talk about the album, and here's what he had to say. You co-wrote seven songs of the 14 on the album. What's your approach to songwriting in terms of embracing traditional country music and balancing, you know, with the mainstream now? I kind of say that you write everything and see what direction kind of comes out of that, you know, um, because I've I've written some more of a mainstream-sounding songs that did make this record, but I was always writing for this record, so you kind of get to pick and choose what you really think. You kind of find your vibe for it. You can kind of pick and choose, because there's definitely songs that could have been on a different record that were awesome, but we wanted a kind of old-school themed, and I don't know, it's hard but modern at the same time. I feel like that's got to be the hardest part, is picking the ones to make the album. What was that process like for you? It's not hard when you know what you want. I like that. You can't just sit around 
and beat around the bush all day. You got to be like, what songs can you not live without? Yeah. Because yeah, that's one of the hardest parts, you know, like cutting songs I wrote with my buddies. I'm like, uh, yeah, you bummed, but you got to make the record, you know? Don't Blame It on Whiskey features Lauren Elena and was co-written by Eric Church and Miranda Lambert. How did the song find its way to you? I first heard that song in 2010 and I just kind of remembered it. And then we almost recorded it on California Sunrise and we just didn't, wasn't really fitting the vibe. And then when it came to this record, I was like, ah, oh, this could be perfect, get a duet in there. And it wasn't ever supposed to be duet. I think Miranda was just really singing harmonies on it. Mm-hmm. So we kind of just really gave the female, whoever our female was gonna get the second verse out. And of course, one Lauren, and she sounded great on it. And we really wanted to deliver the message of the song I thought was beautifully written. And I just think it's a great song. So it's gonna be awesome when everybody hears it. And now let's go ahead and bring Annie back in to break down the album a little bit more. Uh, Annie, we just heard John talking about Don't Blame It on Whiskey. What's your take on that song and what are the other standouts on the album? Don't Blame It on Whiskey is such a beautiful stripped down country ballad. John had mentioned that the idea for a duet with Lauren came up after they co-hosted the ACM Honors together. And he said everyone just kept commenting how much they enjoyed their performances together. Um, so he wanted to have her on the track and and Lauren is best known for her powerhouse vocals and she's previously collaborated with a few guys in the country genre like Kane Brown and, and Chris Young but I really think she and John's voices complement each other best on Don't Blame It on Whiskey But don't blame it on whiskey No this ain't about a drink Don't let What are your other standouts on the album? One of my favorites is Tequila Little Time. It's just really clever and really such a jam. The horn section gives the song a bit of a throwback feel. And John said that he's seen the most comments from fans on social media with that one. I feel like it blends his love for traditional country with the modern production really well. And it's, yeah, definitely one of the standouts on the album. All right, we're moving on to the next Zed Power collab. It has arrived. The power producer teaming up with Kehlani, looking all cute last weekend at the Emmys with her glasses she on. She did. She's so adorable. <laughs> For the first time, these two are together on Good Thing. Let's listen to a little of that right now. The best things in life are Now, Zed, of course, has worked with a wide variety of huge artists, and he's experimented with different genres. I actually spoke to Zed at the BBMAs last year, where he explained how the state of the music industry and streaming gives him the freedom to do just that. Thanks to streaming uh, and people being able to just switch straight to the next song if they don't like it, there's not this barrier anymore because you're not selling a song to somebody and have the responsibility to portray something on. You can just mix genres however you want and if, if people don't like it they can listen to something else because again thanks to streaming they basically own all songs all right here's what else you need to know about this week we've got another high profile team up this time get this fernando hmm. french montana right. linked up with post malone and cardi b for the track writing on the wall and honestly i think this is going to be a huge hit i think we're going to be hearing a lot of this one on the radio all the millions make mahoney montana cardi with the hottest hot, 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 
French obviously has had a busy 2019 with the releases of Slide, Wiggle It, and most recently Suicide Doors featuring Gunna. French will cap off his year with his third studio album titled Montana, which we can expect on November 9th, which just happens to be French's birthday. What a good way to celebrate your birthday. And Chelsea, the power collabs keep on rolling. There are yes, so they do. many this week. Mm-hmm. Nicki Minaj has joined up with Murder Beats on PNB Rock's opulent new track called Fendi. Is this Nicki's favorite new song? Yo, this is actually, I swear, like, this is really my favorite song. Of course, Nicki has said that she's retiring from music to have a family. And in her favorite song, This is really my favorite song. She touches on her relationship with her boyfriend, Kenneth Zoo Petty, rapping that he'll continue to seduce her even when she's not trying to dress the part. I don't even look sexy, but he's still trying to sex me. Ain't got to get all done up for my dude. My attitude is the baddest thing that's on me, boo. So you do you. And you know, with all this talk about superstar team-ups, I just want to say, Chelsea, that you're always my first choice to collaborate with. This is awkward. Camila Cabello just asked me to guest on her new track, so Mm. that that would make her find my favorite. Yeah, that's a big fat lie. And that's our (laughs) show for this week. Don't forget to join us every Friday morning on Billboard.com for your insider's guide to all the best music. Until next week, I am Fernando Ventura. And I love you, Fernando. I'm Chelsea Briggs. (laughs) We'll see you then on First Stream Live.